Amen. Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn, please, to the book of Psalms. Psalm 11 today. Um, come to the Word of God. My prayer is that, that, again, that the Lord would encourage us today. Um, my prayer is that God would, would help us make the decisions to do what is right. And so much of what was taught in our Sunday school hour is in connection to all of our Christian lives and the message this morning. I was teaching the, the teenagers this morning, and there's one thing that God requires of us all. And it may, be, it may sound like a simple word, uh, but it's very difficult to perform. I want you to write this word down just by, by way of, of introduction today. It's the word obey. <laughs> and uh, my, may, may God help us live a life of obedience. The Bible says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do. You know what that means? It means to obey. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And then thou shalt have good success. All of us desire God's blessing in our homes. I want God's blessing in my life. And if we take a step back, even just individually this morning, and, and reflect upon our lives, upon our homes, you know what? Every one of us in here knows where we fail. Now, I'm not in here this morning to tell you that you're a failure because all of us have failed. We've all sinned. We've all goofed up. Uh, we've all fallen short of God's grace. Uh, we've all disobeyed to some extent, to some fashion. The Bible says this, as Paul writes to, uh, to Timothy, he says, Be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke. I'm not here to reprove you. I'm not here to rebuke you this morning. I'm here to exhort you. With all long suffering and doctrine. I don't want you to leave today discouraged or frustrated. I don't want to, uh, God's word ought not be the cause for you to quit. Uh, the promises of God's word ought not be the, the reason why we abandon what we know is right and true and good and forsake that way. Our prayer is that God would help us to simply see the word of God and, and, and obey it. And because there's hope today. Aren't you glad that there's hope? And the devil, understand this, that the devil hates you. He's real. He's not a figment of our imagination. Uh, he is the accuser of the brethren. He stands before God and he accuses us to God day and night. Tells us of all the wicked things that we've ever done. Uh, the, the sin that we commit each day. But I'm thankful that, uh, that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Yes, there is an accuser, but yes, we also have an advocate. I'm thankful that you and I have an advocate with the Father. His name, according to 1 John chapter 2, is Jesus Christ the righteous. And uh, he gets his prayers answered, may I tell you. In John chapter 17, Jesus Christ is praying for you. He's praying that God would strengthen you, that God would help you, that, that the Lord would help you live victoriously in this life. You see, our homes are of utmost importance Consider the most valuable thing that you have in all, of, in all the world. What is it? It's your family. As uh, you know, years and years ago, I was talking to, uh, to a preacher, and actually his name was Pastor Tim Jackson. He was here uh, just a couple of Thursday nights ago and spoke to us uh, on his way to Florida. But uh, he, he cautioned me years ago. He made the statement, he said, don't, don't, don't try to save someone else's family and lose your own. 
You see, there are so many, there are so many things that, that vie for our attention. The world, as we know it, is on fire, isn't it? The world is burning. Uh, there, there's, there's threats all around. But there's a great need for, for us to, to stand in the gap in our own home. And to do as God calls us to do. To be, to be that light for Jesus Christ in our home. Because the home is the foundation of society. If the home is the foundation of society, what then is the foundation of the home? The answer is God. And if you're able, I invite you to stand with me this morning. We're going to read together in Psalm 11, verses 1 through 7. All, the, whole, the whole psalm, it's a lengthy one, seven verses. Uh, but this is, a, this is a wonderful psalm. And I pray that God will use it to encourage you today uh, in the truth of his word. The Bible says this in verse 1, In the Lord put I my trust. How, how, uh, how say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow, they make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, His eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and, and horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. Father, we're thankful for the word of God today. Lord, we're thankful that you've promised that it will never return void. We're thankful that it's truth. We're thankful that, that we do well to obey it. We're thankful, God, that it, that, it, uh, that it keeps us from sin. We're thankful that it's a light into our path. We're thankful that it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our hearts. And God, our prayer today is that you'd help us even now in these moments to be yielded to and surrendered to the Word of God in our lives individually. God, may we not so much as look around today, but to look within today. Lord, may you help us to, to see clearly the Scriptures and, and what they mean for us now. Lord, so many are, are hurt. Uh, so many are, are struggling. So many, God, are confused and, and just frustrated. But God, you have the answer. Because, Lord, you are the answer. And so, God, we ask that you would speak to us today from thy word. Lord, open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things from your law. God, lead us to victory. Lead us to make right decisions today. And Father, our prayer is that you would give us hope and give us help. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you're in the habit of marking things in your Bibles, I'd like to draw your attention to what the Word of God says in verse number 3. In verse number 3, there's a question. If the foundations be destroyed, and then note the question, what can the righteous do? What can the righteous do? Well, I think it's important that we understand who is righteous. Of course, none of us are righteous in and of our own selves. The Bible tells us that all of our righteousness is but filthy rags. 
However, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the God of the Bible, the God of all the universe, the Creator God, became man without ceasing to be God. And at the end of his life, he offered himself as the sacrifice for our sins and rose in victory from the grave. He's alive forevermore. And he, friends, he is the righteous. He, there was never any sin in him. The Bible says we have not a high priest that can be touched by the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus Christ is sinless. He alone is the only righteous one. However, at the moment of salvation, the Lord does something for us. Something that, that you and I ought to be very, very grateful to God for. You see, what, what Jesus Christ is, God makes us. Jesus Christ is righteous. The Bible says that He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Because of your relationship with Jesus Christ, the Lord no longer sees you as a sinner. Because if He saw you as a sinner, He would have to judge you as a sinner. And the judgment, the penalty of sin is death. Eternal separation from God in a place the Bible calls hell. However, at the moment of salvation, the Lord does something fancy. He imputes to us the righteousness of Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus gives you his record in exchange for ours. He makes you righteous. You are positionally righteous. You are the sons of God. But as many as received him, them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And you and I, we have this great relationship with God now, not because of our own righteousness, not because of your goodness. You and I, we will never, 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 ever be good enough. Our righteousness will not avail. You know, you can choose to try to do good on your own. And you can choose to try to, to live your life and merit grace and favor with God on your own. You can choose to, to live and, and, and uh, be dead set in your own righteousness, which is unrighteousness, and be judged accordingly. Or you can just accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, settle it now and forever, and uh, have that relationship with God and the hope for all eternity. And friends, understand this, that you and I, because of Jesus Christ and our relationship with Him, you and I, we are righteous. If you have repented of your sin and by faith accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are righteous. The Bible says in James chapter 5 that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You can have your prayers answered. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. You and I, we have direct access to God that we can go boldly unto his throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. All because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we look here this morning and we understand, just, I want you to understand several things here. First off, I want you to look back in the book of Genesis, please. Hold your place here in Psalm, Psalm 11, 
and look to what the Word of God says in, in Genesis chapter number 2. Everything begins in Genesis. We find in seed form in the book of Genesis, we watch become fully developed over the pages of God's Word. And as we look to Genesis, we understand prior to Genesis chapter 3 that we, we see God's original intent. God's blessing, this is what God desires. Uh, this is God's pattern. This is what God wills for us all. And here we find that the, that the foundational institution of all humanity is the home. It is the first institution that God created. In Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says this in verses 26 and 27. And I know we've been in here a lot lately, and I'm not sorry, okay? I think this is important for us to understand, all right? The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, in verse 26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. The Bible says, so God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And in chapter number two, we see what God did with Adam and Eve. God created them in his own image, in his own likeness, and he placed them in the Garden of Eden. He gave them jobs to dress it and to keep it. Uh, they were not Neanderthals. They were completely intellectual people, uh, able to function and fellowship and enjoy one another. They did not, they did not communicate in grunts or in clicks. They, they spoke, right? They were able to enjoy a relationship with God. And may I tell you, they were more intelligent than you and I ever will be. But we see here that God joined them together. In Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says... Uh, in verse number 20, it says, And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found in help meet for him. And the Bible says in verse 21, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto Adam. So just understand, here we have a description, an in-depth description of what took place in Genesis chapter 1 on the sixth day of creation in verses 26 and 27. This is how God created Adam and Eve. God created the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Adam then began to name all the animals, but he couldn't, there was no one there that, for him. There was no help meet for him. So God came to Adam and said, hey, Adam, what would you have me do? He says, I can, I can take care of this for you if you want. And I believe that, that Adam slept in God's will. That Adam surrendered himself to God. See, you and I, we've always had a will. And may I tell you that God will never, uh, never sin against your will. He will always give you the ability to make the decision for yourself. You, are, you and I, we are not robots. So Adam yielded himself to God and he slept in God's will. And God, as Adam slept, took a rib from Adam's side and formed woman, formed Eve, and brought her unto him. And the Bible says 
in verse number 23, and God said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and Adam said, forgive me, and Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. In verse number 24, we find the union of the two. We find the first wedding in, in Scripture. The Bible says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And we understand the validity of this account, even as Jesus Christ himself references this uh, in his conversation with the religious leaders of his day, uh, who sought to, to bring a snare or a stumbling block uh, to catch Christ in his words. But from the beginning of the creation of God, this is it. This is God's will. This, friends, this is the foundation of all humanity. And the foundation, then, of the whole is God. We look around society today and we see the world is in a mess, isn't it? Heard this week that, that the, the group Black Lives Matter which, just so you know, doesn't care about black lives. It's a communist organization. The group Black Lives Matter has established a day. And this day is being implemented in the school districts all across the United States of America. From coast to coast, they're having Black Lives Matter Day. And this Black Lives Matter Day, you can go, you can research this for yourself. They are happy to let you know about it. The chief aim is to destroy the Western nuclear family. That is the stated objective. They want to destroy your home. They want to take your children. And they want to raise them for you. That's the objective. It's communism. Adolf Hitler did that in the 40s with the Hitler Youth. Do you realize that the objectives are always the same? That Satan hath desired to have thee, that he may sift you as wheat. You know, I'm thankful what Jesus said to Peter, the same applies to you and me. He says, but I have prayed for thee. And I'm thankful today that there is hope and that there is help. You and I, there's, there, is a, there is an attack on the home, the likes of which we have never seen. The vehement hatred that, that, this, that Satan has for you, that he has for your children. He wants to destroy your home. And we look around society and we see all of this hardship. Everything seems to be crumbling and falling apart. And the question remains the same. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? What are you and I, what are you and I to do? What is our response? What should we do? The, re the answer is return to the Lord. Amen. Return to God. Psalm 11 has been termed or described by Charles Haddon Spurgeon as the Psalm of the Steadfast. David, King David, wrote this when he was not yet a king. Yes, he was still the sweet psalmist of Israel. Yes, he was the man after God's own heart. But his life was, was full of trouble. King Saul 
in his ruthless attempt to exterminate David, was hunting him down like a dog. And David looked around and he said, everything is falling apart. What am I to do? Everything seems to be crumbling. Everything is deteriorating. Everything is discouraging. What am I to do? It's the psalm of the steadfast. I want you to look ahead in your Bibles in the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. The psalm of the steadfast implies our need to remain steadfast. I'm not an intelligent man, but I think I understand a couple things, you know. The Bible says, in verse number 55 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Aren't you thankful that Jesus Christ is the victor? Uh, that's simply this, death has been swallowed up in victory, Jesus Christ is alive, he's coming back, this mortal will put off his, uh, his, his uh, mortality, be robed in, 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 in likeness of Christ, in immortality, or thankful for the victory that God has given us through Jesus Christ. But the Bible goes on to say in verse 56, that the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, you and I, we don't only have victory over the power of sin. We have victory over the presence of sin. We have victory over the penalty of sin. Jesus Christ is the victor. And you and I can live victoriously by faith in him. So then what must be done? The Bible says this, Therefore, my beloved brethren, look what the Bible says in verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye, what? Steadfast. Unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. In other words, be faithful because it's worth it. Be faithful. Be steadfast. Don't allow the hardship of the hour. Don't allow the intensity of the moment, the frustrations of the present to deter you from following the Lord. The most important place for you to serve God is not in this local church, although it is important. It's in your home. It's in your home. Therefore, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Look back in Psalm 11 this morning. There are three simple lessons I'd like for us to note today concerning the foundation. If the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Christians, what can you do? Of course, we say it just in a very simple sense, be faithful. But I want you to write this down. I want you to have faith in God. Have faith in God. 
In verses 1 and 2, we see the danger that we face. Look what the Bible says in Psalm 11, verses 1 and 2. It says, In the Lord put I my trust. How shall, uh, I'm sorry, how, how say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? Sometimes it's easier just to tuck tail and run, isn't it? And you know, when the going gets tough, I'm out of here. All right? That's not how it works. But so often we think, sometimes we think, you know, the, the easiest solution, and the devil presents it as such, the easiest thing to do is to run. But in all reality, it's the worst thing you can do. The worst thing any of us can do is run. The Bible says the wicked flee when no man pursue it. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. You and I, we can be bold because of our faith in God. There's a danger. David was being hunted. The Bible says, for lo, in verse 2, the wicked bend their bow, they make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. You and I, we are targeted. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeing, seeking whom he may devour. You know what? Sometimes the, it's easy to be scared of the things we can see. Right? There's a perceived danger. But what about the danger you can't see? The response ought to remain the same. We must have faith in God. In spite of all the difficulty, in spite of all the frustration, just trust the Lord. How, how then can I demonstrate my faith in God? Look what the Word of God says in the book of Habakkuk. In Habakkuk chapter number 2. In verse number 4, the Bible's describing the Babylonians who are advancing upon Jerusalem. They're a ruthless, cutthroat people. Uh, they're going to stop at nothing to, to haul Judah into captivity. They're going to destroy Jerusalem. They're going to ransack the temple. They're going to leave it uh, smoldering. <laughs> and, and the prophet describes the manner of the Babylonians, describes them as leopards, as, as these wild, brute beasts that are going to come and just lay waste to everything. But there's a better way for you and me. The world will tell you to just buck it up. The world will tell you to, to just try harder. But what if the extra effort leads to compounded frustration. Because it will. Because God told Zerubbabel, not by might nor by strength, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. In other words, this, this battle that we wage, in which we all are in, mind you, is not a battle that can be fought in the flesh. It's a spiritual battle. But in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse number 4, the Bible says, Behold, 
His soul which is lifted up is not upright in him. But the just shall live by his faith. What is the opposite of faith? You and I were called to have faith in God. But what then is the opposite of faith? Logically, in simplest, simply, we would say, well, the, the opposite of faith is no faith at all, which, is, which would be false. Look back in verse number 4 of Habakkuk 2. The Bible describes Nebuchadnezzar. The Bible describes this Babylonian army. It says, behold, notice, his soul, which is what? Lifted up is not upright in him. It's lifted up. You know what he's speaking of? It's speaking of pride. To be puffed up. To be full of oneself. To trust in your might. To trust in your strength. To trust in your creativity. To trust in your logic. To trust in your genius. It's not the way. The just shall live by his faith. Three times... We are told in the New Testament that we're to live by faith. Quoted, Paul quotes from this very verse. In the book of Hebrews, in Galatians, and in Romans, the just shall live by faith. Christian, live by faith. Sometimes in order to live by faith, you just have to let your hands, take your hands off of it. I've come to the realization that there are certain things that I'm good at, and that list is very, very short. And then there's things that God is good at. Which is everything. Is there anything too hard for God? So you've got to live by faith. Stop trusting in yourself. You're only going to make it worse. I cannot tell you. I cannot give you one personal example. Of me trying to fix a problem by myself, and having it turn out right. I mean, I'm a terrible plumber. Right? Very seldom does a plumbing job I do ever turn out right. But they make these really cool contraptions now called shark bites. Those are great. Make even a terrible plumber reasonable. But Christian, just take your hands off of it. Allow God to do the work. Have faith in Him. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Notice the second lesson that we learn. Once you look back with me in Psalm 11, we see that you and I must rest in our foundation. You must rest in your foundation. This is the application of faith is rest. How do I know I'm trusting the Lord? Because you have rest. A failure of faith is a failure to rest. How many of you ever have worries that you just can't seem to shake? That you just can't seem to let go? They're always in your mind. Your mind is always cycling through them. You can't stop thinking about it. You can't stop scheming. You can't stop plotting. You can't stop, you can't stop trying to, to strategize. And you're always worried. And you, 
and then your heart gets out of rhythm, and you get that, that heaviness in your chest, Christians, that's not rest. It's not rest. What is rest? Well, the Bible describes it as a peace that passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds by Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter number 2. This rest, the rest does not mean that there's an absence of trouble. The rest simply means that there's the presence of Christ. And you're confident in him. Man is but a few days and full of trouble. Your life will never exist without it. But we're thankful that we have Christ. And that he can give you rest. Come unto me all ye that labor, weary, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. What is this rest? Yes, we must rest in the foundation. Why? Because God wants to deliver you. We see the deliverance that God has for us. Look what the Bible says in verses 3 and 4. It says, if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? I love what the Bible says here in, in verse number 4. It says, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. He has never abdicated his throne. He reigns. He rules. He's sovereign. He's all-powerful. Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. You and I, we have deliverance because God is able and, he, and he's concerned for you. In verse 4, we see the concern that God has. Look what, look what David says. He, he paints this great word picture for us here that describes the intentionality of God himself. His love and care and his concern for you individually, you specifically. The Bible says this. He says, his eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. What does that mean? It, have you ever had to focus on something? I've got a piece of paper here. This is the order of service. You know, I'm trying to read it. So I, my eyelids, behold, my eyelids try the children of men. The Lord makes every, brings you into focus. There's so many other things going on in the world, but He sees you clearly. He sees you perfectly. He sees you specifically. Christian, you are never out of God's focus. You are never out of God's concern. The Bible says that his eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. He brings you, he makes everything out of focus so that you can be in focus. Have you ever tried to focus a camera? I can't do it. I'm thankful that I'm my, on my phone and now is that like the self-focusing thing? So long as the box is around the right face, you'll be all right. But everything is brought into focus. God is bringing you in focus. Why? Because he wants to help you. He wants to deliver you. 
Because you have not been forgotten. You have not been forsaken. Everything around you might seem to be crumbling and falling. But understand, God is intricately concerned for you. His eyelids behold. His eyelids try the children of men. Rest in God. Trust in Him. Christian, you've got to trust Him. That's the only way. What did Job say? You think you have it bad? Job lost everything. His children were taken. All of his possessions were gone. He was left in poverty, sitting in a heap of ashes, plagued with boils all over his skin. He was in so much pain, so much agony, not to be gross, but he would take a broken piece of pottery and scrape himself, trying to find relief. And then his wife and his friends come in and they, and they rebuke him. And his wife says, would you just curse God and die? Just get it over with. But you know Job's response? Job said this, though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. That is trust. That is rest. The Bible says in all of the, the ridicule, all the condemnation that his friends and his wife poured upon him, he never sinned with his mouth. He never accused God falsely. He never lost his integrity. Why? Because he didn't understand. And Christian, you won't. You won't understand. We don't know why. Had Job done anything wrong, Job was an upright man. Feared God, shoot evil. The Lord called him his servant. Why? You don't know. But all Job said, I'm just going to trust the Lord. God revealed to Job his working, his purpose in it all at the end of the book. Job had to learn to rest in God. You've got to trust him. Don't take your eyes off him. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct thy path. Notice the final lesson that we see this morning back in Psalm, Psalm 11. I had you write down a word at the very beginning of the message this morning. It was the word obey. And Christian, the key is obedience. It's obedience. We, you and I are, are called of God to obey His word. Obey God's word. Look what the Bible says in verses 5, 6, and 7. You see, God's word is the pattern. God's word is the design. 
This is God's intention for you and me. The Bible says, The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and, and horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. The Bible says, look, in verse 7, For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. What does God love? He loves righteousness. The righteous Lord loveth righteousness. How can I live righteously? Well, of course, as we established this morning, it all begins with our relationship with Jesus Christ. If you do not know him, you are not righteous. But he makes you righteousness, or makes you righteous because of his righteousness being given to you. But as a Christian, you and, you and I were called to obey, to live righteously. We're to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Christian, you and I, we are called to live a life of obedience. Do you remember from Sunday school, there was two choices. Psalm 6, 35 was, spoke of great reward, didn't it? Verse 49 of Luke chapter 6 speaks of great ruin. There's no middle ground. You'll either have great reward or you'll have great ruin. You can't have it both ways. There is no such thing as middle ground. And that great reward hinges upon that little four-letter word, obey. Obey. What am I to obey? This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. The way is not easy, but it is rewarded. Christian, may God help us. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? You just got to get back to God. Be steadfast, unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Live by faith. Have faith in God. Have faith in Him. Rest in Him. Take your hands off of it. And allow God to give you that peace that passeth all understanding. May I tell you, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. So long as you obey, it will be okay. Hey, that rhymed. Just obey. Rest in Him. And obey His word. If the foundations be destroyed. What can the righteous do? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed.